I want to move on today to something rather different, uh, namely not so much the pattern of fertility and the level of fertility uh, and the trend of fertility, but rather the setting of, of fertility and more broadly uh, the circumstances under which men and women um, have lived together in, in, uh, in Europe over the last um, half a century or so and the remarkable uh, transitions which have taken place over that time. You'll recall that right at the beginning we started talking about the the uh, so-called West European marriage pattern and the contrast which that was claimed to have uh, with the marriage patterns of, of Eastern Europe to the east of so-called Heinel's line uh, and generally speaking with the rest of the world. Not to say that the rest of the world or East of Europe was homogeneous in any way, not to say that the West of Heinel's line was homogeneous. Nonetheless, there were, there were um, distinct patterns in terms of later marriage, in terms of the nuclear family-based household, which seemed to be rather consistently different and arguably important for the social and economic future of, 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 of those different areas of the world. Well, things, of course, are now changing. Um, and we have seen uh, in, in the last 50 years, certainly in my lifetime, uh, an extraordinary transformation, uh, certainly in the setting of facility, in the popularity of marriage, in the popularity of, of uh, alternatives to marriage, um, in conjunction with changes in the birth rate, in conjunction with radical changes in social uh, and attitudes and the behavior which follows from them. Um, and this, uh, this um, uh, package of behavior, this package of changing attitudes goes under the heading of the second demographic transition. And the, the transformation of the West European marriage pattern uh, and uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the rise of the second demographic transition, its it possible um, a journey into universality, according to its proponents, is what I'm going to talk about today. This is one indicator of what's been happening uh, to marriage in, in Western Europe, using England and Wales as the example. What you see here um, is the, the change in the mean age of marriage from, uh, the 19, uh, from 1889 in the far left. Let's get rid of this table. Um, uh, 1889 here, um, up to um, 2001 over here. Uh, the, the, the blue line is the mean age of uh, unmarried men at marriage, uh, and the, the red line is the mean age of um, unmarried women, then called spinsters uh, at marriage. As you can see, um, right into the 1930s, um, hovering around a mean age of about 25 for girls um, and about um, 27, 28 for, for, for young men. In fact, if anything, increasing in mean age. Uh, so no, no decay of that aspect of the West European marriage pattern evident at all, right up to the eve of the Second World War. And you can see the unevenness here arising out of the, uh, the turmoil of the Second World War, followed by the, this uh, remarkable decline in mean age at marriage, going hand in hand with a huge popularity, new popularity of marriage. 95% uh, of, of the people born around the time that I was born eventually got married, most unusual in Western European uh, traditions. And then, almost as soon as it, uh, it appeared, by the time we get to the the early 70s, it goes into reverse, and we see this increase in mean age of marriage to hitherto uh, unprecedented levels, to uh, about 30 or so, now over 30 uh, for young men and uh, approaching 30 for, for women. Uh, now, 10 years after this graph was drawn, it's gone even higher, and that, of course, has gone uh, not just with a delay in marriage, but also a reduction in the popularity of marriage and the transformation of the whole setting uh, for family life um, and for reproduction. <coughs> This is uh, generally mimicked um, over uh, the rest of, of uh, Western Europe and also in other parts of Europe as well, even more interestingly. 
what we see here is groups of countries, the, the, the unweighted mean of the average age of first marriage in, in groups of countries, these are, these are for women. Um, the, the, the blue line here is, is uh, Scandinavia, as always in the vanguard of social change in these respects, um, mean age of marriage uh, rising up to, to nearly 30 for women, uh, higher than in, in, uh, in, in Western Europe. Uh, in green here, this is Northwestern Europe, that's um, Britain, uh, Belgium, France, uh, and other countries in that general area, um, uh, following fairly close behind. Um, <coughs> um, even in Southern Europe, something similar has happened. Uh, a, a later changeover, the, the changeover in Scandinavia started to happen in the 1960s. As you can see, in Southern Europe, it didn't happen until, until the 1970s, but still following very much the same pattern. Uh, and, and more interesting, perhaps, is what's been going on in Eastern Europe and in the former Soviet Union. You'll recall there was this, uh, this very um, surprising, perhaps paradoxical fact that um, uh, communism, supposedly uh, um, uh, and regarded by many as being progressive, modernizing, uh, updating kind of uh, procedure, breaking old traditions and opening up possibilities for all kinds of new behavior, um, reinforced the traditional differences between Eastern and Western Europe as far as marriage was concerned. Marriage remained uh, nearly universal. Marriage remained early under communism. It was, it was not, as you might have expected, uh, sort of modernized in being made later um, and more optional. And you can see here that in the blue line, which is for Central and Eastern Europe, uh, and the purple line, which is the former Soviet Union, that's Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, and all that lot, um, mean age of marriage was actually get, get, get becoming um, even, even younger for women uh, over the course of the, uh, of the uh, 50s and 60s and, and 70s, right up to the end of communism. So by the time we get to 1989, mean age of marriage was just about 22 for both groups of countries, uh, compared with, with, with 26, 28 uh, in, in the rest of Europe. Once communism evaporated, all that changed very radically something which we will come back to later on because it's a rather remarkable uh, rapid change. And, and it's as though a kind of spring were released and these countries bounced back to the sort of level of immediate marriage which they would have had uh, decades earlier if they had shared with the kind of uh, patterns which Western Europe um, had been uh, developing over that time. Uh, more on that later. But certainly a, a major and very sudden transformation. <coughs> Hand in hand with the delay in marriage um, is a decline in the popularity of marriage. These are merely numbers, thousands of marriages in England, um, in the UK, sorry, from 1951 to 2009. As you can see, all marriages, the line in blue, um, almost halved, maybe down to, to about 60% um, uh, of, of the previous level. First marriages down to about half of the previous level. And this, don't forget, is in a population which is increasing. So the actual rate is, is declining even faster than these um, numbers would leave one to suppose. A lot of these changes, the concomitant uh, uh, reduction in, mean age of in, in, in popularity of marriage, the increase in the mean age, its delay, its avoidance, uh, the accompanying patterns of, of, of uh, cohabitation, of, um, of uh, reproduction outside marriage, go under um, a bundle of, of, of patterns, uh, both of behavior and of underlying attitudes, uh, under the heading of the second demographic transition. This is one of the most uh, influential models uh, and, uh, and ideas in contemporary demography, owed in particular to two pioneers from the Low Countries, Dirk van der Kaar uh, and Ron Leistager, of whom we'll hear a lot more. 
uh, they, they observed these, these empirical changes going on um, of an unprecedented kind in Western Europe, really starting in the 1960s, um, and, and um, developed a theory to explain not only what was happening, but also why it was happening, um, which is outlined in, in this graph here. Um, there's this undoubted empirical evidence of, of these very substantial changes in marriage, cohabitation, births outside marriage, divorce, new patterns of uh, upbringing for children going from one kind of family to another rather than being, uh, remaining with their biological parents for as long as their biological parents uh, live for the most part, um, replaced by all this cohabitation and, and, and uh, delay of marriage. Um, and all, all the rest of it. And as far as they were concerned, also, um, also going with the low fertility, which followed the baby boom. When uh, marriage became less popular, when uh, the retreat from marriage began in the 1960s, that was also the beginning um, of the decline of the birth rate from the baby boom peak um, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a reproduction rate above replacement level um, down to much lower levels. In, indeed, uh, by the time we get to the 1980s, to so-called lowest low fertility, which we talked about before. That is to say, uh, birth rates equivalent to less than 1.3 children per woman, which, of course, bring with them um, uh, very strong indications of, of, of a population decline and population aging if they're to be continued. Um, they put this package of, uh, this undoubted uh, package of behavior together um, with a theory uh, that, that um, this was driven by um, the spread of new attitudes and values in society, uh, which they felt were, were, were fundamentally due to the rise of prosperity, to the rise of welfare, to the accompanying uh, increase in, in secular thinking and higher levels of education, um, which um, satisfied uh, um, had satisfied earlier material needs and enabled people to, as it were, be emancipated and, and as it were, do their own thing, uh, to uh, uh, think about new ways of behaving, not to be so bound by uh, notions of duty to God and to parents and to peers and to society, but rather to, as it were, um, uh, emphasize the duty they had to themselves, to, to develop their own interests, their own inclinations, uh, without quite so much um, constraint of, from traditional pressures. Um, um, a, a, a set of attitudes which they described as um, following Robert Inglehart, rather using the rather unsatisfactory term of post-materialism. Post-materialist values were of the kind which went hand-in-hand hand with post-materialist behaviour uh, in, in the form of, of, of new ways of family life, new low levels of reproduction. According to the theories of, of Maslow and Inglehart, which, which, they, which they translated, as it were, into demographic terms, um, these changes will inevitably follow once the society became educated, um, uh, liberal, um, materially prosperous enough to um, devise welfare systems to insulate people, as it were, from the consequences of their own behavior. And as such, insofar as development, economic development, uh, would, be, uh, would become universal, insofar as uh, the uh, development of uh, secular, uh, more educated attitudes to life uh, would go hand in hand with that, with, with that prosperity, uh, all these patterns would have eventually became, uh, become universal. What was, first of all, back in the, in the, in the 60s thought to be um, an innovation of, of, of progressive Scandinavians would in fact be something shared uh, in the very, very long run uh, over the whole world. Um, and uh, th there is certainly some evidence to suggest that this is exactly what's happening. 
This is the model of the first and second demographic transition. The first demographic transition uh, starting in, in, the, uh, in, the 19th, well, in the 18th century as far as the death rate is concerned, uh, in the 19th century as far as the birth rate is concerned, showing this marked reduction in, in the birth rate from a family size of five or six or seven down to one of, of, of two or three, um, a, reduction, a, a preceding reduction in the death rate, uh, an intervening period of population growth uh, in green uh, brought to an end as the, the birth rate fell to uh, become similar to the, to the birth rate. Um, and um, then after the, the beginning of the second demographic transition, these things continuing in ways not expected in the first dem demographic transition. The first demographic transition was not unreasonably expected to restore um, um, a, a balanced position of more or less zero population growth, um, which it had started with back in the, in, in the early 17th uh, century or the 18th century. Um, that is not what happened. Uh, the natural rate of, of, of increase fell to below zero, um, and as far as they were concerned, stayed there and would stay there. The sub-replacement fertility was a natural concomitant um, of the, the, the emphasis upon personal uh, satisfaction, personal uh, uh, realization of, uh, of individual needs, rather than the sort of duties which I've been talking about earlier on. Um, uh, that was one aspect of, of the second demographic transition, which they thought was important. They also felt that um, an increase in, in migration, uh, having been negative, emigration predominating in the first demographic transition, uh, to become uh, positive in the second demographic transition. Well, we, we will see. This is a, um, a rather idealized version um, of the, the underlying theoretical underpinnings of this second demographic idea. Abraham Maslow wrote a very influential book in 1954 uh, called Motivation and Personality. And he felt that one of the, one of the major aspects of um, human development over, over centuries was the, the, the way in which human society, human innovation, um, had um, progressively mastered uh, the various problems and needs uh, which, which affected human beings, taking them away from the kind of preoccupations which were more to do with uh, mere survival, uh, which were shared with, with, with animals. The ones at the bottom, in case you can't read it, these are biological and physiological needs, basic life needs, air, food, drink, uh, shelter, warmth, sex, sleep, etc., uh, the daily life of the undergraduate, I suppose, but uh, uh, are not in some respects all that different from the kinds of expectations and needs and desires of, of, of any uh, animals and, and birds outside followed by uh, safety needs for protection, security, but more important, order, uh, law, um, limits on behavior, stability of society, uh, contracts and its enforceability, um, <coughs> and all the rest of it, uh, culminating, I suppose, in health and safety legislation. Um, leading on to, w once those are satisfied, then, then more, more humane, as it were, rather than human emotional needs could come to the fore, needs for for family, uh, affection, relationships, um, uh, um, companionship, um, easy friendship with, with people at, at work and, and neighborhood and so on. Um, um, and leading up to, to, to a, as well, the most important need of all, once all these were satisfied, once uh, uh, personal security was guaranteed, you, had to, you could stop worrying about being, uh, being fed tomorrow, uh, being employed tomorrow and all the rest of it. Um, uh, Self-actualization became important. You, you could start concentrating much more on your own personal development, on your uh, unique capacities, your unique ambitions um, to, for so-called self-actualization. This is a very um, idealistic way of, of looking at Maslow's hierarchy. As you can see, there's no reason why these shouldn't all um, happen at once to some extent. 
but I, I, I think you get the point that it, it, it's, a, it's a kind of um, uh, emancipation of, of uh, human society from, from basic worries, uh, 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 moving on, uh, as there are always worries, I suppose, uh, into uh, uh, more, more personal uh, concerns about, about self-actualization. This has been put into more hmm, um, empirical forms, more testable forms, by Robert Inglehart, in particular in a very influential book called The Silent Revolution, um, Changing Values and Political Styles Along Western Politics, published in 1977, which has been succeeded by several other volumes uh, exemplifying uh, this idea and providing lots more data for it. Perhaps you've come across it uh, already. Um, um, he was concerned with, with measuring empirically, um, not just the, the spread of the behavior which I've been talking about, which is quite easily done uh, through demographic and, uh, and, and other uh, sorts of information, but also uh, testing the opinions and values wh which went with it and which uh, allegedly underpinned it, um, measured in, in through all, all sorts of questionnaires which are uh, now um, universally applied, starting off with the European Value Survey, asking a whole battery of questions about attitudes and values, uh, which has now been developed into the, the World Value Survey, which is a tremendous resource, easily available uh, from the net, um, showing that the, um, the, um, the spread of new values, attitudes, or the persistence of old ones uh, in various countries of the world, and getting, uh, embracing more and more populations uh, as time goes on. He devised a rather simple questionnaire to test uh, the extent to which people were, were, were traditional, um, uh, so-called uh, materialist in, in their value orientation on the one hand, um, and, um, or post-materialist, uh, uh, pr progressive, uh, more open-minded uh, in the others. And, and this, this questionnaire consisted of, of, of contrasting pairs of questions. Uh, and depending on which of the, of the pair uh, you, you answered, you will, be, you will be ticked off, as it were, as, as more materialist or more post-materialist. And here, here are the, the first two simple ones. Um, you're, you were invited to uh, ask whether you preferred uh, to men, uh, the, the idea of maintaining order in the nation or, alternatively, giving people more say in the decisions of the government, uh, fighting rising prices or protecting freedom of speech, um, maintaining a high rate of economic growth, uh, and making sure the country has strong defence forces, or giving people more say in how things are decided at work, uh, and trying to make our cities and countryside more beautiful. I think you get the picture. Um, uh, it uh, has indeed been rather criticised as being essentially uh, Telegraph versus Guardian. Uh, and uh, I, I imagine if you, if, you, if you look into your own consciences and see which ones of these you prefer, uh, then it may be apparent uh, uh, how, how, that, how that balances out. <laughs> Nonetheless, um, it has been very widely used, uh, rather more questions than this uh, normally, um, to try and put uh, uh, populations, in, in individuals and, and, and countries uh, on a, um, a, a, a somewhere on a materialist versus post-materialist scale. So the, 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 more, the more of the... Um, uh, blue questions that are answered, the more materialist the person or the population uh, is judged to be, the more green, uh, the, the more post-materialist and, and the more prone to, to um, um, uh, indulge in behaviour of the kind we've been talking about. What um, van der Kaar and Leistager did was to take these notions, the, the basic notions of Maslow, uh, its empirical uh, and testable refinements by Inglehart and his colleagues, uh, and turn them into a, a demographic interpretation, uh, such that um, 
they, they felt that those who were more likely to, to adopt a more post-materialist approach uh, would be those more likely to approve of uh, and, and indeed participate in uh, cohabitation before marriage, um, delaying or avoiding marriage uh, would be relaxed, but having, having babies outside marriage would, would not be concerned about the moral anyway aspects of divorce, uh, whatever their views might be on the, the practicalities, and would also take a, a, a quote, progressive, unquote, uh, view uh, about the acceptability of abortion, homosexuality, um, uh, the presence of foreigners in different countries, uh, and different uh, uh, people from different countries uh, in, in their communities, and all the rest of it, and, and vice versa. And this is, uh, to a considerable extent, uh, what uh, happens. Um, here are some examples um, which, uh, uh, which Leistag and his colleagues collected a while ago um, from uh, um, behavior and attitudes in Belgium, France, West Germany, and the Netherlands. Quite a large sample of people aged 20 to 29 uh, um, in your uh, age group. Um, what they did was to compare um, the, 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 the values expressed by uh, single men living with their parents, who were scored as one uh, in, in each case, compared with those of uh, the same age who are cohabiting in this column and those who are married uh, in, in, in that column. Here are men and here are women. Um, and you can see that if, if you look at traditional values like a belief in God, um, you find that the, that the married population is three times more likely than the cohabiting population in the same countries, in the same age group, uh, to believe in God. That um, those, those uh, perhaps not surprisingly, um, um, who are cohabiting are only one-third as likely to believe in sin um, as those who are married. Um, li likewise, differences uh, of praying uh, outside church. And a curious reversal um, of belief in reincarnation. Now, this is not reincarnation uh, as at Easter time. Uh, this is reincarnation, of course, in the New Age uh, form, uh, the, the sort of um, uh, rope sandals and lentils and semi-Buddhist notion of reincarnation held only by a minority of people, but much more likely to be held, held by, 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 uh, by New Age enthusiasts who are cohabiting rather than more traditional folk uh, who, who are married. Interesting also contrast in what's justified, um, uh, uh, comparing, comparing those who are married with, with, with those who are cohabiting. So those, those who think that taking drugs is never justified are less often to be found among those cohabiting, predictably perhaps. Um, those um, who feel that cheating a tax man is okay are twice as likely to be found in, in, uh, uh, in, in among cohabiting couples than among the married. Um, uh, uh, likewise, avoiding fines. And the <laughs> Even fighting with police appears to be thought to be more okay if, if you're cohabiting, well, at least among the young men of, uh, of Belgium, France, West Germany, and the Netherlands. Perhaps here too, I don't know. But I don't know what you get up to on, on weekends, but uh, it's not all that common. Curiously enough, certain other aspects of a broadly moral sort um, are not very different between, between the two groups. There's general disapproval uh, of littering, of, of lying, of drink driving. So it, it's a very particular aspect of behavior which is, uh, which is contrasted by no means all, all aspects. And it would be quite wrong to suppose that the, 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 the one category is generally, as it were, less moral than the other, not at all. Um, the empirical evidence for the trends in the total divorce, uh, for, trend, for the second demographic transition, are pretty unequivocal. Um, uh, and it all really begins in the 1960s. Uh, you, you may know Betjeman's, um, uh, not Betjeman's, um, Larkin's poem, where, where, he, where he tells us that traffic congestion and sexual intercourse were invented in 1963. Well, it's pretty much true 
Um, uh, this is the total divorce rate uh, in, in various different areas of Europe. The total divorce rate is uh, an, a homologue of the, of the total fertility rate. You recall the total fertility rate is the number of babies you acquire over your fertile lifespan uh, as you go, um, uh, if, you, if you experienced the age-specific fertility rates of, 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 of women at different ages at the same point in time. How many babies would you acquire if things continued uh, as, as they were? This is the number of divorces you would acquire if things continued as they were in the year in question. Uh, and if you are um, living in, in the early 1960s, um, then in most European regions um, you only have a, 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 about a, a 12% chance of, of getting divorced on current rates. Um, by the time we get up to uh, the, the, the year 2000, uh, it's up to 40 or, or, e or even 50% uh, in Scandinavia uh, and in Western Europe, ra rather, rather less, rather slower change elsewhere. But all moving upwards, you notice. That there, there isn't, there isn't in, in this group anyway, uh, any, any uh, major downturn. Um, it, it's all going the way that Leistager and van der Kaar expected it would go, spreading from one region to another. Um, not necessarily by diffusion, but by, by the adoption of similar kinds of patterns of behavior, leaving behind the old stability of marriage uh, and moving into a new area of, of substantial instability and a, a considerable likelihood that marriages will, will end in divorce. Um, <coughs> marriage in decline. This contrasts two birth cohorts of women, those who are born uh, in 1935, who, um, who, who are of marrying age uh, in, um, in, in the mid-1960s and, and slightly later, and the 1960 uh, birth cohort, who are now aged 52, who of course uh, grew up in a different era, sort of era. And you can see on the left-hand side, here in Sweden, um, it's down to almost half of proportion that ever married, only about 65% of those of the women born in 1960s have, uh, have married, and probably even fewer of those whose cohorts are not yet complete. Much less change in Switzerland, substantial change <coughs> in, in Finland, Austria, uh, Denmark, uh, France, uh, rather <coughs> less so in, in, in Italy um, and, uh, and some of the other Southern European countries which aren't on that diagram. Likewise, the trends in the total first marriage rate. The total first marriage rate is another one of these period um, synthetic cohort homologues uh, of the total fertility rate. That is to say, this is the number of first marriages that you, uh, that you would pick up in the course of your lifetime up to age 50 if you experience the age-specific first marriage rates uh, which are, um, were, were prevalent in the calendar year in question. You may notice something peculiar about this, um, which, is, which may throw doubt upon the validity of the measure. Uh, over here, back in the, the, the mid-1960s, we have total first marriage rates exceeding 1.0. Now, it will be immediately obvious, um, even to the demographically uninformed, you can't have more than one first marriage each, but that da those data appear to suggest you, you are. This is a very interesting and good example of the way in which um, tempo shifts uh, in synthetic cohort period measures can give you um, inflated uh, 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 results to your analysis. This, uh, this impossible figure of more than one first marriage uh, per person, per, this is, these are women, I think, must be women, yes, um, <coughs> arises because marriage was becoming more popular and was becoming earlier 
uh, in, in the middle of the, of the baby boom, don't forget. That was when marriage was, was increasing. Uh, and of course, if you're squeezing more marriages in, in, into fewer years than previ previously was the case, you're going to get, uh, if, you, if you sum them across uh, different women, you're going to get a, 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 an inflated figure in exactly the same way as the total fertility rate was inflated uh, by tempo uh, uh, processes here, in just the same way that it's being deflated by tempo processes when uh, things start being delayed and stretched out over time. Anyway, um, you can see here that, that from uh, marriage being extremely popular in all the regions of Europe which are represented here, Scandinavia, Southern Europe in blue, Northwest Europe in purple, uh, Central and Eastern Europe in green, uh, red uh, for the former Soviet Union and um, uh, orange for the former uh, Yugoslavia, um, all uh, very popular uh, um, until until uh, the, the, the mid-1970s, and this precipitate fall begins uh, later, much later in Central and Eastern Europe and the former Soviet Union, once more, uh, down to quite low levels. Now, on the face of it, uh, this would appear to suggest that on, on these marriage rates, um, not much more than 50% of women are going to, to marry in the course of their lifetime, at least up to age 50. Uh, and really, if you aren't married by age 50, uh, then the chances are not all that great that you'll marry uh, at all. Um, it certainly got a lot lower, but it's important to remember that just as, uh, as the acceleration of marriage inflated this rate over here back in the 1960s, so the deceleration of marriage, the delay of marriage, the spreading out of marriage over time is deflating the indicator. Uh, and um, it, it, the, the, the cohort rates, which are, of course, uh, not yet complete, uh, do indicate that this is a somewhat uh, pessimistic, if that's the right word, view about the likely future. Uh, quite, it, it's probably going to end up uh, at sort of 60 to 70 percent overmarrying in most groups of countries, rather than the 50 to 60 percent which these data indicate. Another interesting point, just to file away, um, is that there does seem to be a limit to this um, gadarene decline into a, a non-marital state, in the sense that uh, the levels have, have flattened out since. Since, uh, since the early 1990s, and there's no uh, significant further decline uh, visible in proportions marrying. So it, 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 it's much reduced, much delayed, but it hasn't gone away, um, and more recent data uh, sustain that point of view as well. Um, here is births outside marriage, an another uh, component of the second demographic transition empirical package of new demographic behavior. Um, starting off back in, the in, in 1955, you can see uh, that, that about between 60 and, and, and 80 um, uh, births per thousand uh, births were outside marriage. In other words, births outside marriage were, were, were sort of uh, uh, 5 to 8 percent of the total, which is very much an historically uh, um, similar total to that which you saw in the 18th century, the 19th century. In, in fact, uh, in, in the 1950s, proportion of births outside marriage had fallen to the lowest level seen for a very long time, partly, of course, because the advent of contraception um, made it much easier for those uh, engaged in non-marital liaisons uh, to suppress the consequences of, 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 of their partnership um, in a way probably much more important for them uh, than for those, uh, the, those who are married. So very low levels of births outside marriage back in the 1950s um, uh, going hand in hand with very low rates of divorce, high rates of marriage, a kind of golden age for traditional uh, uh, behavior in this respect. Uh, radically changes, I mentioned, from, from the, the early 60s onwards, particularly fast, of course, predictably, in Scandinavia, uh, Western Europe trailing along behind. Um, sorry, this is the English-speaking world. 
This is, uh, this is uh, um, uh, the US, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, um, um, in this respect, as in others, behaving quite similarly to, to uh, Northwestern Europe and Scandinavia in particular. Uh, Western Europe following along, um, Eastern Europe uh, and the former Soviet Union uh, also increasing, particularly after 1989, um, and the Southern European trend lagging behind, but still pointing in the same direction. So all um, happening together uh, along with increase in cohabitation. The purple uh, here are, are the proportions uh, unmarried um, and, and ever cohabited um, uh, among young uh, men and women aged 25 to 34 in various European Union countries uh, around uh, the year 2000. On the left is Sweden and, and Denmark uh, and France and Finland, as you might imagine. Right over on the right um, uh, is Portugal, Italy, Greece, Spain. The usual suspects in Southern Europe um, much more resistant to second demographic transition type behavior, although by no means ignoring it, um, as you can see. And uh, there's, there is an association, although sometimes quite a weak one, between uh, all these behaviors on the one hand uh, and post-materialist values. The, the post-materialist uh, score is on the, uh, on the vertical axis and the proportion uh, of the population ever cohabiting is, 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 uh, is, is on the right. Not a strong correlation, but <coughs> there are better examples than that. Well, that seems to be pretty... Yeah. I was just wondering, um, if post-materialist values are an inevitable consequence of yeah. some kind of material level, then how do they explain the fact that like, some countries are more resistant than others? What do they say about that kind of variation with Northern and Southern Europe, for example? Well, it, I, I don't think... Les Arg and Van der Kaar are, are, are not ignorant of the fact that there are important cultural differences. Um, which, which, which uh, encourage this kind of thinking in, in some societies and discourages in others. Uh, one of the interesting, um, you, you might say that, uh, that, that Scandinavia and Northwest Europe in particular were um, in biological terms pre-adapted uh, to adopt uh, 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 these kinds of attitudes because of course in, in family structure they had been more um, individually oriented uh, in, in the past uh, compared with, with Southern Europe and Eastern Europe anyway in the sense that um, uh, much higher proportions of, of um, families in, in, in Scandinavia and Northwestern Europe, including Britain, um, back in the, uh, the early modern period, in the 18th century, the 17th century, the 16th century, were nuclear family-based, uh, where um, uh, elderly parents uh, were not usually living with, with, with their young, uh, younger um, adult children and being looked after them. It's, it certainly happened uh, to, to a, quite a reasonable degree, but it was not the norm. It was the norm in Southern Europe. And you might expect that under those circumstances, uh, a more family-oriented or, or family's culture, typical of Southern Europe, typical indeed of most of the rest of the world, um, would, would, would tend to be uh, rather more resistant for all sorts of reasons to, a, uh, to attitudes of doing your own thing and ignoring your kin uh, regarding their, their opinions, their examples, are not very important. It doesn't work so well uh, in, in, in Southern Europe or in the Far East, as we will see. Um, some rather uh, glib uh, objections uh, here uh, that, that you might say, you, you might wonder if it, if it was really a second demographic transition, but merely following on from the first in some way. Uh, is it really demographic? Is it really uh, a, a transition? Uh, does, it, does the whole package actually make sense, particularly the question of low birth rate, which I'll come on to in, in, in a moment? And also, um, is it the only way of explaining the radical changes in, um, uh, in, in marital behavior and so on, which we've seen in different parts of Europe. It seems to work better in some than in others, as I hope uh, I can show. Nonetheless, as many have said, it, it remains the, 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 probably the single most uh, 
frequently cited and used model of dem demographic change in Western Europe and the rest of the world at, at the present time. So it won't do uh, to, to try and rubbish it too much. Um, some aspects of this may be regarded as, as merely the, the continuation of unfinished business from, from, from the first demographic transition and in part a consequence of it. Uh, so some, uh, for starting with Cliquet in 1991, uh, ha have insisted. Um, a more interesting objection perhaps is that it doesn't deal with the central issues of demography. Um, it doesn't have anything directly at all to say about mortality and health. Um, it doesn't have anything directly to say about migration which is now the, the, the major driver of demographic change in most developed countries. You may say, of course, that insofar um, as it correctly predicts very low birth rates, then um, it, it may be indirectly predicting high levels of migration as a kind of compensating mechanism. But that would be, I, I think, t taking things a, a little bit far. <coughs> and, it, and therefore it doesn't uh, uh, have anything to say about population aging or population decline as such. Is it being too nitpicking to ask whether it's really a, a transition? Perhaps it, it may be too early to say. Um, nonetheless, uh, we, we've, what we have seen is that it's created a huge element of diversity in those countries where it has become uh, more popular. But it has, these behaviours have not completely displaced traditional behaviour. For example, um, even in, in, in Scandinavia, uh, the proportion of births outside marriage uh, hasn't much exceeded 50%. It's not uh, inexorably uh, uh, going upwards. You may have seen, noticed in the previous graph, that the level was somewhat fattening out. So what's been happening is that in, in the same countries, in the same populations, in the same communities, uh, in the same towns, even in the same streets, uh, there'll, be, there'll be some people who, who will be married, some people who will be cohabiting, uh, some people with some, certain kinds of values, certain people with other kinds of values. And, and, and the, the more progressive ones, if, if you like, are not uh, completely eliminating the traditional ones. And this is a bit of a contrast, if that remains true, with the first demographic transition. The first demographic transition has become more or less universal in the sense that almost no one um, has a family size of, 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 of six or seven. Um, uh, and the average is generally very low. Um, whereas um, that kind of, 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 of convergence uh, is, is not at community level as well as national level is not apparent yet in, in, in second demographic transition uh, behaviour. Um, and this is an example of, of the variety of preferences for living arrangements as in the 1990s uh, things have uh, moved on a, a, a bit, a bit um, uh, further than this. But just looking at the, uh, at the top line, um, um, preferred living arrangements um, for in Austria, 18% felt that marriage was preferable. Um, Czechoslovakia, as it was then, uh, 64%. Italy, 76%. Netherlands, 48%. Um, uh, that may simply... Um, reflect, as Leistager and van der Kaar would insist, a, a different level of acquisition, a different rate of diffusion, and that eventually, uh, in some decades' time, those will be the same uh, and not different. Um, here's a, a, an example of tremendous variety in the United States, as you may, as you may uh, possibly recognize. Um, oh, we've lost, lost the bottom bit. Never mind. What we've got here is a scoring by Leistager and his colleagues um, of second demographic behavior transition behavior uh, I I at the county level in the US. A very ambitious exercise in statistics. 
um, second demographic transition behavior being estimated by um, uh, an index made up of the proportions who are reported to be uh, cohabiting and the proportion of births outside of marriage and some other variable which I'm afraid I, f I forget. Anyway, the ones, those which are manifesting those things uh, to a higher level are colored blue. The bluer you are, the more likely you are to, to live in a county where these things are, are statistically common. Uh, the, the, the redder you are, uh, the more likely you are to be in a population where, where most people are married, where births outside marriage are, are very infrequent and all the rest of it. This, uh, as you might imagine, is the great state of Utah, uh, a very red indeed. This is the, um, the, 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 uh, the central heartland of, of um, um, you might say, conservatism, uh, of, of the religious right, if one can impose a political uh, notion upon it. And here is the liberal progressive uh, uh, East Coast uh, and uh, laid-back California um, indulging in behavior very much more similar to that of Northwestern Europe and Scandinavia, and also much more similar to Canada up in the north, uh, where, where, where behavior is somewhat different from that in, in the United States, and certainly very different uh, from, from this, uh, this more conservative area here. So much so that some satirists have, have uh, uh, imagined that the future might look like that, um, that uh, Canada and, and California and the East Coast might might combine at leaving, leaving the rest to a, a different way of looking at the world. Um, interestingly enough, um, and without wishing to divert too much, this, if I can flip back a second, this contrast here is alleged by some to have considerable potential political consequences. Because uh, while, as we will see, it is not the case um, uh, that that a favor for second demographic transition behavior in terms of cohabitation and so on goes hand in hand with low birth rates. It doesn't. It's the reverse. Nonetheless, within countries, um, the laissez expectation is roughly uh, expected. Those, uh, as might seem reasonable, those countries where uh, you're doing your own thing, where you're putting yourself first to put it to caricature almost uh, those values are also the ones uh, where birth rates are, are, are low and indeed birth rates are low uh, in, the, in, in the East Coast states birth rates are low uh, in the anyway, non-Hispanic populations of California uh, and elsewhere and tend to be high here insofar insofar as there is a strong religious association there um, according to Eric Kaufman that's good news for religion insofar as religion is transmitted from parents to children with a lot of leakage um, uh, that will benefit the, the survival and spread of, of strong religious values it will also have political consequences because these states um, tend to vote for uh, uh, Mr. Bush and not for as it were Mr. Obama um, uh, insofar as, uh, as political prejudices and pre political tastes are inherited from, from, uh, from parents to children, uh, which they are, but with a, a, a very considerable uh, leakage, then it should be that uh, Republicans have got a built-in demographic advantage uh, over Democrats, and in due course, uh, the, the future uh, may be red. Now, there are so many other factors affecting politics that this, this is perhaps rather uh, a far-fetched notion. It is seriously advanced in some American political Science circles, um, science circles, that there is a, a demographic problem which the Democrats have got to overcome by, by, um, uh, by trying harder, as it were, on, on the political front. Is this transition. Yes? With respect to the political aspects of it, if some of the Republican came to office who maybe imposed top down uh, kind of laws or that might in their kind of in increase. It might work, you know, if I, I'm not expecting myself very well here, but not at all. Uh, if kind of like laws or kind of abortion laws came in, that maybe increased 
person died from outside marriage, could p- political changes there like, change the demographic? It's, it's, it's by no means uh, impossible, and in authoritarian states, of course, that has, is exactly what has happened. In Romania being the most dramatic example back in 1966. Um, I think in, in the United States politics that, that, that it is inconceivable, if that's not the wrong word, uh, that, that that could happen. Um, not the least, of course, because al- al- although um, the, the Republicans tend to be uh, more, more pro-life than, than Democrats, uh, generally speaking, nonetheless, there's a very strong American tradition of, of, of the state not interfering uh, in various private matters. And I'd, I'd have thought that, would, that by itself uh, would be the overwhelming factor which would prevent that happening, quite apart from the obvious huge political problems which it would cause. Well, I mustn't pretend to be a political scientist, but that's just my, my view. Um, I would not pretend it was any better than yours in, in that matter. Is that a question or a stretch? Right. Okay. Yes, um, a transition is not meant to be reversible. And again, there's small indications that, that there is a bit of a rebound uh, going on here in, in terms of, now this is the total first marriage rate, is actually creeping up a bit in these countries, which I have carefully selected to make my point for me. But uh, the increase is not great, uh, nonetheless it, it is there. Uh, and we'll have to wait and see if it sustains. Birth rates can go up um, as well as down, as you will recall from, from previous lectures. And again, uh, those are a few carefully selected um, uh, patterns showing a long-term, although slow, a drift upwards. There's also the question as to whether all aspects of, of, of this transition can be sustainable, particularly in an era of, of constrained uh, economies and, even more important perhaps, in an era where all populations uh, in, in the developed world are ageing, some of them ageing very fast, and this is in, in imposing um, uh, absolutely unavoidable extra burdens upon the economy. One of the ways in which the... the demographic transition behaviours can can be sustained um, is because um, they can rely upon welfare. If you've got a welfare cushion which protects you uh, from uh, what in previous decades or previous centuries would have been the very dire economical consequences of having a baby outside marriage, getting divorced, uh, and so on, uh, then, of course, it it opens the field for for, uh, a wider um, uh, participation in those behaviours. If economies become constrained and the considerable welfare costs of, 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 of that welfare support become more difficult to support, partly because of adverse economic circumstances, partly uh, because of uh, 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 competing demands from the older generation, um, then, th- then it may be that the welfare blanket will, will become uh, more moderated. And indeed, it's, it's, there's, there's certainly been revolts uh, uh, in the polling booth uh, against the very, very high uh, taxation required to sustain the, the welfare state. Uh, in, in Sweden and other Scandinavian countries. As you probably know that uh, uh, socialist parties which have had uh, held sway for 40 years or so in, in Sweden and Norway have been um, from time to time thrown out of office in the last uh, decade or more, partly as a, as a result of, of concerns about, about the, the tax costs of the welfare system. It's certainly a coherent con- uh, concept from the, in the sense that uh, the divorce rate variable, the cavitation variable, the birth outside marriage variable all go together. Uh, quite demonstrably. Um, where, they, where it doesn't fit uh, is in the very important dimension of, of, of the birth rate. Um, uh, international comparisons nowadays show that um, those countries which have got the most marked uh, manifestation 
of second demographic transition behavior. That is to say, high births outside of marriage, um, high levels of, of, of uh, divorce, cohabitation, and so on, are the ones which have got the highest levels of fertility in the developed world, not the lowest, which is exactly what you would uh, ex expect to be the contrary. Um, uh, given the, um, the, 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 uh, the importance of self-realization and what some people would call selfish behavior, um, or self-oriented behavior anyway, which is supposed to be characteristic of the underlying values. Um, if you're thinking about me, you don't want to be lumbered with babies uh, uh, for reasons we've gone into in, in previous lectures. But, as you see here, the, the TFR around 2000 um, is, is high, close to two or even above it, uh, in those countries where, where births outside marriage are, are, are common, cohabitation is common, divorce common, uh, Iceland, Norway, France, Ireland, uh, Denmark, Finland, UK, and so on. Very low down here, Italy, Greece, Spain, uh, Switzerland, Germany, uh, and so on, as I mentioned earlier on. Uh, statistically speaking, you can't get a TFR of 1.7 or above unless at least 30% of births are outside marriage. That's not a policy prescription, it's simply an empirical observation uh, of contemporary demographic behavior. Uh, and that's goes, gone hand in hand with the reversal of the international correlation uh, between women's workforce participation on the one hand and the birth rate uh, over uh, 20 years. The underlying theory is, uh, um, in some respects, perhaps a, a, little, a little shaky. I mentioned the criticisms made, but it's not in, in, any, in any important way different from um, the conservative, progressive uh, um, uh, axis of, of, of social behavior, which social psychologists have been playing with for quite a long time. Um, as, indeed, Leistager and van der Kaar themselves state, it is, in some respects, uh, in underlying fashion, an economic model. Uh, the, the, um, the capacity, the, the freedom of action, as it were, to behave in ways which are described in these various in indices, um, does rely upon a certain level of economic prosperity. Without that prosperity, you go back down the, the Maslow scale, as it were. you start becoming more concerned with day-to-day with, with, with -day survival, more concerned uh, uh, about your standard of living, more concerned with, with, with other material things. Um, and indeed, they, they themselves expected that if, if there were major economic downturns, then opinion would shift back towards a, a, a more materialist approach, at least temporarily. Um, and um, so in, in some respects, these are not a purely ideational model. Uh, like most of these models, it is related to other aspects of the way the world works uh, and is, in some respects, basically, uh, at, at base, fundamentally, an economic model uh, and, and not just a, a, an ideological one. Finally, there's the question of... Um, um, whether one can find other explanations for behavior which looks like uh, the, that of the second demographic transition. Um, uh, in Central and Eastern Europe, for example, uh, there was a temporary huge reduction in standards of living once communism collapsed. Um, the, the guaranteed wage um, uh, disappeared, even though it might have been a, a bit bogus, as the old uh, Soviet jibe uh, um, uh, was, and we pretend to work and they pretend to pay us. Nonetheless, there was guaranteed employment, uh, there wasn't any inflation, um, uh, and a basic standard was assured. That went um, temporarily, anyway, out of the window uh, once communism collapsed and wasn't replaced by a coherent alternative um, a way of, of, of dealing with the economy. Um, and you can see in these fat lines, uh, that's a, a, a graph of the real GDP, or real uh, net material product, as it was then called in, in Soviet times, showing this tremendous dip uh, in, in, after 1989 to much lower levels than previously was the case. And these are the births outside marriage uh, in, in the Central and Eastern European countries, Bulgaria, Estonia, Belarus, East Germany, Czech Republic, at the same time. 
So you, you see this huge reduction in standard of living happening at the same time as um, the second demographic uh, transition indicator goes shooting up. That's not what's meant to happen. It's meant to be a, a result if it is following the, the um, Maslow, Engelhardt, Leistager model. It's meant to be a response to prosperity and security, not insecurity and problems. And that's led many to suggest that one of the reasons why marriage has, has de declined so fast, births outside marriage have increased so much in, in Eastern Europe is, is um, not entirely because there's no second demographic transition genuine behaviour. People uh, nowadays are many more prosperous, but, but also because in many parts of society there's very considerable anomie that the, um, um, the, the Soviet period damaged or, or, or destroyed the previous uh, religious-based uh, approach to morality and replaced it with, a, with, with, with a, some, what some call socialist morality. When, when that disappeared, um, then it's left something of a moral vacuum. Um, and uh, that has um, uh, led to very radical uh, changes which, which can't possibly be explained in terms of, of prosperity uh, in Eastern Europe. Here's the number of births outside marriage in various European countries, Eastern European countries, shooting up um, after that transition. Likewise, we have curious patterns happening in, in East Asia. It is certainly true that mean age of marriage is going up there from quite low levels. Um, these populations, far east, if you like, of Heinel's line, typically had very early ages of marriage, 20, 21, 22 for women. Um, th those have increased substantially. But that seems to me to be better explained simply in terms of modernization of a hugely educated, hugely successful um, uh, uh, society, uh, which has overtaken the West in many indicators of, of survival uh, and of, of uh, individual prosperity. Um, um, oh yes, that, that's out of place. I'll, I'll uh, leave that. Um, it's, it's certainly the case that um, uh, yes, sorry. Uh, and, and here are proportions of women um, uh, never married. Uh, that too is growing. Previously, the proportion of women never marrying uh, was very, very low. You see, in, uh, among the uh, Malaysian Chinese in 1960, only 3.8% uh, had never married by by by. Uh, by age uh, 30 to 34, only 2.6% never married by, by age 40 to 44. Uh, and similarly in Taiwan, 1.3%, uh, uh, Japan, 3.2%, all below 10%. Now, by the year 2000, either approaching 10% or even in Bangkok, 20%. Uh, is this m simply modernization, that they're delaying marriage and avoiding marriage, and then, uh, uh, and, uh, or, or is it part of, uh, because of, the much better possibilities for education and career, or is it something to do with the spread of, of new SDT values as well? Um, the, the, the answer to that so far seems to be not much, because these are proportion of births outside marriages, which you would have thought would have gone up uh, likewise if, if that had been, those had been symptoms of second demographic transition behaviour, and they're not. They're still very low. This is a birth per outside marriage per thousand, uh, two per thousand, three per thousand, uh, sorry, 20 per thousand, 40 per thousand, two percent, four percent. I haven't got much data, uh, but this is for Japan, uh, this is for uh, uh, Taiwan, and, and that's for, for Hong Kong. So very mixed messages uh, from, from, the, 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 uh, from East Asia. So to conclude, um, while many aspects of the old West European system have gone, um, some have remained. Some, like um, uh, late marriage, um, like delayed marriage, like proportions uh, never marrying, are, are becoming uh, common in areas where previously they were not common. So in some respects, uh, it's not dead, but becoming universal. In other respects, it, it has gone, because the constraint of not having births outside marriage is, 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 uh, is vanishing, um, and uh, that such behavior is, is very, very um, uh, uh, common and universal. 
The transition is not complete. It may not become complete. And as I mentioned, we may be ending up with a situation of greater diversity rather than a, a complete switchover from one sort of uh, a pattern of, of behavior in demography to another. Um, and in some areas, like in Central and Eastern Europe, like in the Far East, uh, second demographic transition models are only one possible example, uh, one possible explanation for what is certainly a very interesting transformation in behavior. And there I must stop. Thank you very much.